0: Sarah figured out that by switching to MetroPCS, she gets two free smartphones. Your barbecue ribs are the best. Take the rest home with you, Sarah. Just like she figured out that by visiting her in-laws, she doesn't have to cook for the rest of the week. You too figure it out. Get two free 4G LTE smartphones from top brands like Samsung and LG after instant rebate when you switch. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included. See store or metropcs.com for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Wake Up Mission Show.
2: With your hosts, Shaleen Nightingale and Randy D. Where
1: And I'm back. This is Randy with the Wake Up Mission radio show. We are the underground network connecting the dots for liberty. Today is Tuesday, September the 1st, 2015. Uh, Chalene's not going to be with us today, nor will she be with us the rest of the week, uh, as far as I understand. So please keep her and her family in your prayers. And This month, I guess we're all going to hold our breath to see what happens with the financial system. There's a lot of big things that have been predicted that are going to happen. There's a lot of big, if you want to call them, policy meetings taking place this month. Um, Supposedly, it's the, the end of Jade Hound 15. I believe there's some kind of climate policy meeting going on this month, as well as Oh, some kind of financial meeting, and you know it's the usual suspects that are doing all this. You got your your usual suspects like the Bilderbergs, the Illuminati, Freemasons, New World Order types, the elitist, you know the ones that tell you um, do as I say, not as I do. So, and you know the we've covered it on the show quite a bit uh, here, you know especially the last couple of um, weeks with. Uh, the end of the, with the Shemitah coming up, a lot of big things happening, and a lot of big things happening here uh, with me, (laughs) Um, just to give everyone a heads up, a warning, in case the broadcast goes dark, it's because my computer crashed again, so I'm kind of holding my breath while I'm doing this broadcast, hoping that doesn't happen, so if, you hear silence then you know that the computer crashed <laughs> had it worked on uh, last week and it was running like a well you know a fine-tuned machine and then this morning lots of problems tech guys telling me that an imminent hard drive is in my future so i'm just going to do like uh, those drivers in that sport i used to watch until they came out against um you know they insulted my heritage I'm just going to run it until the motor blows. well, if any of you saw the news today or or maybe it was yesterday i I don't know um, the so called president is in Alaska, and of course the you know there's some controversy going on about changing the name of Mount McKinley to Denali, and I saw some postings online today that Well, I really didn't have time to look them up. I was uh, busy getting ready for the show. We have two guests coming up in our second hour, um, and I'm really looking forward to this. We've got a retired Navy commander, uh, Charles Kirchner, and we also have uh, his attorney, uh, Mario Apuzo. I hope I'm saying that right. And uh the second hour is gonna be about the constitutionality or eligibility of uh Ted Cruz and they're also going to be speaking about um you know the current occupier of the Oval Office. We'll get out, we'll get into that uh in in the second hour because they you know they're obviously a lot more well versed in this than I am. So our first hour, you know, and this is Truth Tuesday, and I found some information today after, you know, the so-called news with uh, the climate change, and I couldn't find any good audio files that were less than, you know, like a half an hour, and with what's going on with my computer, I'm not going to use my the the, the alternate file converter that I normally use because it's a big pain in the butt when the computer's running Normally, and today I'm not going to – I didn't want to use it because I didn't want to risk it blowing the computer up until after the broadcast. <laughs> I've got my go-to one for uh, audio files that are under 10 minutes, but they have a 10-minute cap, and that's – that's. this is all I could find that was under 10 minutes. But this is a speech that the this so-called president gave. I mean, it, it's just like – it's not the entire speech, but it's more – Uh, you know like some snippets or whatever so uh, we're going to be talking about climate change in the first hour and you remember if you remember some years ago Al Gore was warning that by now the polar ice caps would be gone and anyone that lived within I don't know what five ten miles from the coastline would be underwater well it didn't happen (laughs) well anyways Let's go ahead and take a listen to this so-called president uh, and some some audio from his speech.
3: Climate change is a trend that affects all trends. Economic trends, security trends, everything will be impacted. I've come here today as the leader of the world's largest economy and its second-largest emitter to say that the United States recognizes our role in creating this problem, and we embrace our responsibility to help solve it. Even if we cannot reverse the damage that we've already caused, we have the means, the scientific imagination, and technological innovation to avoid irreparable harm. We know this because last year, for the first time in our history, the global economy grew and global carbon emissions stayed flat. This year in Paris has to be the year that the world finally reaches an agreement to protect the one planet that we've got while we still can. We know that human activity is changing the climate. That is beyond dispute. Everything else is politics. Those who want to ignore the science, they are increasingly alone. They're on their own shrinking island. And when you leave this conference center, I hope you look around. hope you have the chance to visit a glacier, or just look out your airplane window as you depart, and take in the God-given majesty of this place. For those of you flying to other parts of the world, do it again when you're flying over your home countries. Remind yourself that there will come a time when your grandkids and mine, if I'm lucky enough to have some, they want to see this, they want to experience it, just as we've gotten to do in our own lives. They deserve to live lives free from fear and want and peril. And ask yourself, are are you doing everything you can to protect it? Are we, doing everything we can to make their lives safer and more secure and more prosperous.
1: So, are you hearing this? We caused it. Okay. That's the why. You know, maybe he should have been our wanker. Maybe he'll be our wanker of the week tomorrow. I'll, I'll try to find some more audio uh, of this so-called speech. Well, it was a speech, it really did happen, but I am kind of at a loss for words. I mean, we've been hearing this for so long, and we have heard this lie being spewed out so often, and by the same usual suspects, do... (laughs) Do they think we're that stupid? Do they think we don't see through this? That we know that they're they're full of crap? I mean, you know, our listeners, you know, you know, new and oh, I wouldn't say old, but those who have been listening to us since we came on the air last summer and even people who have, uh, you know, if today's your first day tuning in, welcome and thank you for tuning in and for those who have been listening to us since day one. We thank you for that. But, anyways, getting back to my point, does this guy think that people are that stupid? Where they're—I mean, obviously there are people that are that that stupid. Where they're they're buying what's being sold, and we know better. Science knows better. In fact, let's take a listen to. An actual scientist, <laughs> uh, and 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 his, he, he, you know, and, and this this guy, you know, actually studied trends over the past, you know, millennia, and eons, if you will. And it, the the planet heats up and it cools down. It, it's a natural cycle based on a lot of factors. And one of those factors is not me driving my Ford Explorer around, <laughs> and it's not you know that you know the coal industry in West Virginia and Pennsylvania, western Pennsylvania has absolutely nothing to do with it. I mean, I'm all about you know being responsible <clears throat> and you know not throwing trash out the window when I'm driving my my um, Explorer down the road. And I believe in, you know, picking up after myself. I don't throw trash around my house. I don't throw trash around in the studio. And that that's, uh, you know, that, that's what I can do. And, you know, I can prevent forest fires, you know. I'm out in the forest. And I'm not going to build a campfire. And if I do, then I'm going to make sure that it's out before I leave, before I, you know, take, you know, take my eyes off of it. But anyways... This is all about control. You know, we've talked about Agenda 21. We've had actual scientists on the show, actual experts on Agenda 21 and property rights and constitutional rights. And we've got two experts coming up here in the second hour uh, on a kind of related subject. But I can't believe people are gullible enough to buy this. It's snake oil. That's what it is. But we know better. Well, anyways, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to play this um, audio clip, which will actually talk about the science, not the politics. You know, real science, not this junk science. So uh, take a listen to this.
0: The only constant is change. That's true about life, and it's true about the climate. The climate has been constantly changing since the Earth was formed 4.6 billion years ago. For example, in just the past 2,000 years, we have seen the Roman Warm Period, when it was warmer than today. Then came the cooler Dark Ages, followed by the Medieval Warm Period, when it was at least as warm as today. Then we had the Little Ice Age that drove the Vikings out of Greenland, and most recently, a gradual 300-year warming to the present day. That's a lot of changes, and of course, not one of them was caused by humans. During the past 400,000 years, there have been four major periods of glaciation, meaning that vast sheets of ice covered a good part of the globe, interrupted by brief interglacial periods. We are in one of those periods right now. This is all part of the Pleistocene Ice Age, which began in earnest two and a half million years ago. It's still going on, which means that we are still living in an ice age. That's the reason there's so much ice at the poles. Thirty million years ago, the Earth had no ice on it at all. So then what about carbon dioxide, the great villain of the global warming alarmists? Where does that fit into this picture? not as neatly as you might think. Temperatures and carbon dioxide levels do not show a strong correlation. In fact, over very long time spans, periods of hundreds of millions of years, they are often completely out of sync with one another. Over and over again, within virtually any time frame, we find the climate changing for reasons we do not fully understand. But we do know there are many more factors in play than simply the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere. Factors such as the shape and size of the Earth's elliptical orbit around the Sun, activity from the Sun, and the amount of wobble or tilt in the Earth's axis, among many others. Even the relatively short 300-year period from the peak of the Little Ice Age to the present has not been steady. The latest trend has been a warming one, but it began nearly a century before there were significant carbon dioxide emissions from burning fossil fuels. And there has been no significant warming trend in the 21st century. Contrary to media headlines, the trend over the past couple of decades has been essentially flat. Meanwhile, human-caused CO2 emissions are higher than ever. About 25% of all the CO2 emissions from human sources have occurred during this period of no net warming. So what are we in for next? Will the temperature resume an upward trend? Will it remain flat for a lengthy period? Or will it begin to drop? No one knows. Not even the biggest, fastest computers. All the information I've presented, the increases, decreases, and plateaus in temperature over the ages and into the last centuries, is available to anyone who wants to seek it out. Yet to state these simple facts is to risk being called a climate change denier. Not only is that absurd, it's mean-spirited. It's absurd because no one, not even the most fervent skeptic, denies that the climate is changing. And it's mean-spirited because to call someone a climate change denier is to intentionally link them to people who deny the Holocaust. So maybe it's time to stop the name-calling. Predicting the climate, one of the most complex systems on Earth, with thousands of inputs, many of which we don't understand, isn't an exact science or anything close to it. Maybe it's just a tad arrogant to suggest that we can predict the weather or the climate or just about anything 60 years from now. The science is not settled. The debate is not over. The climate is always changing, it always has, and it always will. I'm Patrick Moore, co-founder of Greenpeace for Prager University.
3: Join Prager University. Click here to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click here to sign up for free at PragerU.com for quizzes, contests, and prizes.
1: Okay, so you actually heard from, you know, someone who is a scientist, not a politician, Uh, someone that actually knows what the hell he's talking about. And this speech that this so-called president gave, I I knew how I found an article about it, and it's, I guess he's hoping that, you know, because we we did talk about this, you know, at great length yesterday as far as, you know, the attention span of the general public, you know, that whole, the, the whole thing with how the government uses the media to, you know, for propaganda and, you know, to prop up the oligarchy. Well, anyways, Al Gore, you know, man bear pig, you know, I'm super ethereal, well, when he did his inconvenient truth, if you want to call it that, it was more like inconvenient hogwash, however many years ago that was. Now, I don't remember. Ten years ago, whatever. Well, you know, the ice caps didn't melt, and, you know, the coastal cities weren't submerged. Well, this headline, you know, it caught my attention. <laughs> Obama warns of submerged countries, abandoned cities, if no action taken to fight Global warming, and, and this came from the blaze, and and it, uh, my cat doesn't like this guy either. Anyways, Barack Obama issued this is the article. Issued, Barack Obama issued one of his most dire warnings about climate change Monday. So it was yesterday in Anchorage, Alaska, where he will spend the bulk of the week highlighting the issue. Has been a priority in his administration. Now, why is this a priority in his administration? Um, is it because he wants total, you know, his administration wants total control over everything that's going on? Uh, well, of course, you know, Agenda Twenty One, any white body, the UN, anybody. <laughs> and the, and the, here, here's what he has to say: If we stop trying to build a clean energy economy, and reduce carbon pollution, if we do nothing to prevent glaciers from melting faster and oceans from rising faster and forests from burning faster and storms from growing stronger, we will condemn our children to a planet beyond their capacity to repair. He explained the consequences would be, quote, submerged countries, abandoned cities, fields no longer growing, indigenous people who can't carry out traditions that stretch back millennia. Entire industries of people who can't practice their livelihoods. Desperate refugees seeking the sanctuary of nations not their own. Hmm. Didn't we talk about that yesterday? Well, anyway. Political disruptions that could trigger multiple conflicts around the globe. Now, this was at the Glacier um, Conference. And Glacier stands for Global Leadership in the Arctic Cooperation, Innovation, Engagement, and Resilience. Oh, boy. And then he went on to blast us, you know, those who are skeptical of climate change. I'm not skeptical of climate change. Yeah, the climate changes. What I'm skeptical of are these lying sons of bitches that, like him, and these people pushing Agenda 21 and people like Al Gore. And I'm skeptical of them because I know they're full of crap. Um, anyways, he goes on to say, any so-called leader who does not take this issue seriously or treats it like a joke is not fit to lead. So says someone who is not fit to lead. You know, this community organizer that never ran a lemonade stand in his life. Well, anyways, he goes on to say, on this issue, of all issues, there is, um, there is such a thing as being too late, and that moment is almost upon us. Oh, really? Do tell. He noted that the agreement that the United States and China reached to reduce carbon emissions, but he added, even those countries can't do it alone, and it will require a global agreement. You hear that? Global agreement at the upcoming climate conference in Paris. Okay. This year in Paris has to be the year that the world finally reaches an agreement to protect the one planet we've got while we still can Oh, really? So I guess not only is he, I guess he can see into the future. He knows something the rest of us don't know. Well, anyways,
0: otherwise the
1: president presented a somewhat frightening future, and he goes on to say people will suffer, economies will suffer, like that ain't already happening thanks to him and and the bunch that uh, selected him to be president. Entire nations will find themselves under severe, severe problems. He goes on to say, more drought, more floods, rising sea levels, greater migration, more refugees, more scarcity, more conflict. All righty. Well, there are uh, comments uh, that are, you know, attached to this story. And, you know, it's good to see that people really, you know... They're not buying what this clown's selling. <laughs> so, anyways, you know, there's a list of all the companies. Uh, they, a lot of these companies donated to his selection and his reselection campaigns, and then they got money, and then they all went out of business. Hmm. Makes you wonder where all that money really went. I mean, there is quite a sizable list of, of these companies. So, anyways... Then all this information, you know, it will be present it'll be available on our website, uh, thewakeupmissionshow.com, and it will also be available on our um, Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Mission radio show, or the wakeupmission show, I forget. Uh, just go to Facebook and type it in, you'll find it. Well, anyways, I found this other one that was really interesting, and you know, we're, we're going to go back in Back in history, just a little bit, because um, you know it's important that that you know we keep that, that we keep this. I mean, this wasn't like this was you know like you know decades ago or a hundred years ago. But anyways, um, it's from Newsmax, and there's a scientist. I'm trying to find his name. Well, anyways, I'll. Um, uh, When I get to it, we'll all know together. But I've read this before, and I'm sure some of you listening may have heard this before. But anyways, the headline is, scientists confessed global warming is a $22 billion scam. And uh, it says, the documents have been released, and the truth is staggering. For years now, I'll you know, man bear pig, I'm super ethereal has been spearheading the crusade of global warming alarmism to the masses, you know, holding these seminars and clean energy initiatives and even unveiling a critically acclaimed documentary. The real inconvenient truth behind global warming, it is all a lie. Have you been duped? Okay, imagine for a moment sitting at a prestigious steakhouse in Palm Beach, Florida, and they say that it's a hot spot for some of the well, the you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know. And, and they mentioned Donald Trump, <laughs> you know, because you know this article, you know, it's a couple of years old, before before he did what he did, you know, a couple of months ago. Well, anyways, Donald Trump, Tiger Woods, Oprah Winfrey, James Patterson, Russ Limbaugh, and hundreds more. Well, imagine dining with a handful of men you've only read about. Some of them worth millions. Others published best-selling books, and some have held prominent positions at the White House. You know, and so basically, you're sitting at a table full of uh, some VIPs, if you will. I mean, we're all people. We all poop. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. So, really, none of these people are any better than us. You know, yeah, they they may have worldwide recognition, gazillions of dollars, but you know, they're flesh and bone just like the rest of us. They're no better than the rest of us. So, anyways, I digress. Well, you're about to take a bite out of your New York strip when one of the men, you know, a top US intelligence agent, puts a hundred and sixty four document a hundred and sixty four page document in the middle of this table. And as you're reading it, you find out it contains damning evidence that a network of politicians, corporations and so-called scientists have conspired together to promote the fear of global warming, and there is clear evidence stating that no such global warming exists. The motive—it's money. It's always about money. It's about money, power, and control. People—22 billion dollars a year being sacked. and it's not 22 billion dollars that they pointed up. No, that's coming out of our our pockets. And remember what? um Chris um, Chris Rock said, "You don't pay taxes; they take taxes. You know, you don't have that choice. I mean, you can't file exempt. You know, at, you know, if, at your employer, you, know, you can file exempt. Um, and you know, if we all did it, then we could defund the whole damn the whole damn mess, and they couldn't put us all in prison. Well, anyways, this so-called global warming ep- epidemic comes out to." Uh, a minute. And that's twice as much as what they spend on supposedly securing the borders. Okay. All right. Now here's the guy's name. It's Tom Luongo, L-U-O-N-G-O. And uh, in the following pages, he's going to show us the research that was laid out before him at, I guess he was at that place in Palm beach, you know, well, good for him. You know, he got a, Got a big, thick, juicy steak and hung out with some uh, people that, um, you know, have power, influence, and money. And the man that put his name, put the document in his hands, and uh, and this guy's name is John Casey. And Al Gore has been personally attacking him. Uh, John's a former House Space Program advisor. He's a consultant to NASA and a uh, space shuttle engineer. And now he's one of America's most successful climate change researchers and prediction experts. And he started looking into these claims. And his findings, um, the theory that global warming is caused by an increase in greenhouse gases, is the greatest scientific fraud in history and the evidence is damning. And the uh, the, uh, Greenpeace dude from Prager that we just listened to a few minutes ago said the exact same thing. So John found the evidence buried in the government's own environmental studies that destroys Al Gore's argument for this global warming, which in turn would destroy the so-called president's dire warnings that he just gave and that bullcrap speech that he gave yesterday. And he uses their own data to prove that it's a sham and the most expensive and lethal sham in our history. They spend $22 billion a year of our money financing these so-called global warming initiatives. And who's benefiting? Well, Al Gore. His portfolio uh, along, you know, and it's aligned with the Obama regime and his plan to spend billions in stimulus funds on alternative energy. Now, there were 14 green tech firms in which Gore invested, and they received – Directly, more than $2.5 billion in loans, grants, and tax breaks, part of the regime's push to send renewable energy to seed, I'm sorry, you know, U.S. renewable energy with our money. And uh, they're saying, the, the Telegraph reports that Gore could become the world's first carbon billionaire, thanks to his investment in green companies, Well, I hope he lost his shirt because a lot, you know, a good number of those green companies—they all tanked, and that was our money thrown out the window. This so-called president may as well been flying around polluting, like he does, him and his family does uh, quite often on Air Force One. They could—they could have very well have been right flying around in that airplane, just dumping money out the cargo hold. Anyways. Um are you know, their current and former presidents, CEOs, Washington representatives, politicians and big business have all been documented with their hands on our you know, in this global warming cookie jar, you know, our money. And you can see why it's such profitable with business. CEOs and executives get to rake in millions of our dollars while politicians get donations and scientists get all the funding they need to keep them all going, all with our money. Now, he said he didn't believe it until he saw the evidence that John compiled, and even then, it took him some hours of talking to digest it. Now, there's three blatant lies. One, the world is getting hotter, fast. You've heard how the Earth is rapidly heating up, causing drought and mayhem. Well, the media jumps on the global warming story every time there's a heat wave, and each time a hurricane hits the East Coast. Well, in recent years... How many hurricanes have hit the East Coast? I live on the East Coast. You know, there's been a, there's been a, you know, a couple. You know, that Superstorm Sandy, and, well, I think there was like a big winter storm last year or something. That's two that I can think of off the top of my head. It's not like, you know, and I live on the East Coast. I live five hours from, from uh, the Atlantic Ocean, and. We haven't had any problems. Summertime. It gets hot in the summertime. It gets cold in the wintertime. That is called weather. <laughs> anyways, the, anyways um, according to NASA's data, the world has worn point three six degrees Fahrenheit over the last 35 years. And they started measure, measuring the data in 1979. And you would agree, you, you might would agree that that, over that uh, temperature increase over the last 35 years is hardly anything to panic about. But, you know, that does that mean the world's warmer? Right. Well, the problem with that argument is that the bulk of that warming happened between 1979 and 1998, and since then, the temperatures have been dropping. And the fact is, you know, 17 years, the trend is there has not been any global warming or climate change. And the reality is that the world is 1.08 degrees cooler than it was in 1998. So, you know, that's almost, that's a little over twice as cool. You know, if you're good with math and decimal points and fractions, you know, you do the math. I'm not, but, you know, I can I can get close, I can get in the ballpark by you know, rounding it out. And uh, there is a chart from the Remote Sisting system Systems, which provides data to NASA, the the NOAA, that's National Oceanic Atmospheric something or another, and other scientific organizations. Well, you know, it makes a lot of sense. We've had cooler summers and longer winters. I mean, last winter was brutal. Winter before that was brutal. And then you have to factor in, is this weather, you know, is it man-made, you know, like, say, heart geoengineering. We've had plenty of experts on our program that would say it is. I mean, These people are a hell of a lot smarter than me and they know what they're talking about and I'm not going to dispute what they're saying because they're a hell of a lot smarter than me. But if there isn't such thing as man-made climate change, it's this geoengineering that's going on. Think about it. Well, anyways, the trends would speak differently than what is being sold. And let's see. This will be posted on our website, and you can look at the chart for yourself. I mean, it doesn't do me any good to sit here and show it to you other than, you know, the trend has been downward, <laughs> okay? Anyways, line number two, the oceans are getting warmer. Well, if that was the case, then there wouldn't be a drought on the West Coast. There would be like El Nino year-round Right? Well, how much has it rained in California lately? Anyways, these uh, global warming slash climate change proponents have said for a long time that we'd see a heating of the oceans. And this proposition is necessary since it means all those big chunks of ice are supposed to melt, killing off polar bears and causing states like Florida to get swallowed up by water. Well, you know, I've got friends that live in Florida, and I still see their postings on Facebook that they are in Florida, so Florida's not underwater. <laughs> now, <clears throat> since two thousand in 2007, when accepting that Nobel Prize <laughs> and quietly pocketing in a wad of cash, he made a striking prediction. The North Florida ice cap is falling off a cliff. It could be completely gone in summer in as little as seven years from now. Well, it ain't gone. It's still there. In fact, it's getting bigger. I mean, you can look at the satellite imagery from twenty thirteen and twenty twelve and you'll see that it's a good size bigger um in the recent- and they show that the ice caps have not melted, but they've expanded in size by forty three percent to sixty three percent That's pretty big. <laughs> And um, what a Golden Mail article had to say is an area twice the size of Alaska was open water two years ago. Now it's covered in ice. And we all know that there was one of those uh, climate change global warming ships somewhere either at the North Pole or South Pole going down there to study. They got stuck in the ice. <laughs> I guess they I guess they believed their own computer models, and they didn't they didn't realize they were headed into a big ass uh, ice field until they actually hit it. Or they believe what gold is selling. Well, anyways, we know who's using actual scientists and, it's, and who's fear mongering their way to wealth and fame and control. Well, anyways, since 2002, the ocean temperatures have fluctuated less than one degree Fahrenheit. There is no warming. Again, there's nothing to flip out about here with this. And line number three humans are causing global warming. Climate change fast, and well, you know we've been hearing this crap for how many years now? Heard it again yesterday, and again, I guess he's depending on people having the attention span of a gnat, uh, because the all this crap was spewed out, you know, two thousand, I guess two thousand five, six, and seven, and here we are in twenty fifteen, and this guy, you know, is. Uh, You know, right, you know, beating this dead horse, you know, this broken record, here we go again. You know, I'm depending on all you people to have forgotten what has happened. Well, anyways, Al Gore and his friends, his liberal friends, well, I'll change that to progressive friends, sit on stains blaming you and your gas-guzzling car. Ooh, humanity. And your four-bedroom house and uh, factories. What factories? They're all in China. We don't have any factories here anymore. Well, you know, of course, you know, Gore, you know, his his annual electric gas bills are about $30,000 a month. That's more than 20, not a month, uh, I guess that's a year. Well, whatever the rate is, it's more than 20 times the national average. And let's not forget, you know, if the oceans were actually rising, why did he buy a beach house in Malibu? Malibu's right on the beach. I've been to Malibu. It's beautiful there. I wish I could afford to live there. You got to have some serious cash to live in Malibu. Trust me. I know. I've been there. Well, anyways, Al Gore spreads this global warming propaganda for you know, it's to line his pockets. You know, he's not in office anymore. And and I guess, like the Clintons, he was dead broke too when he left the White House, right? You know, their, their version of dead broke and what our version of dead broke is obviously. You know, two entirely different things since, um, you know, we're dead broke when uh, we can't go to the ATM because we've got less than $20 in the bank. And you open up your wallet, you look in your purse, and there's cobwebs. And, you know, it was always funny, you know, when, uh, you know, Sanford and son, you know, a lot was talking about, well, we need to budget because we need to, um, we need to budget uh, to pay these bills. And Fred said, Well, this is how I budget. When I put my hands in my pockets and I pull them out and there ain't no money in them, well, that's how I budget. And I'm sure it's how a lot of us, a lot of you budgets, how I budgeted. Um, you know, we didn't have solutions for that, but we'll get to that later. But, uh, anyways, <clears throat> yeah, their dead broke a lot different than ours. You know, like us real people, you know, us useless eaters, consumers, whatever, you know, the term of the day is that. You know, these elitists and uh, these people, you know, refer to us, you know. Anyways, now, you know, and the scientists, you know, know, we agree on this, you know, keeping the environment clean. You know, he recycles and drives a fuel-efficient car. I don't. I like driving hot rods, and I'm always going to drive hot rods. You know, if, I, if my dream car is a 1970 Plymouth Superbird with a 426 Hemi 4-speed, four and one day I'll have that car. And you, you damn well I bet that I'm going to be out on the, out on the freeways uh, opening it up, and I might get some speeding tickets, but it's going to be fun, right? Anyways, you know, and reuse materials. Well, I, I, well, I'm bad. I burn everything, you know, like newspapers and stuff. When I'm chopping, you know, when, when I'm out at my mom's house doing yard work, I take newspapers out there and use that for kindling to burn, like all the dead branches from the neighbor's trees that fall in her backyard. And that pisses me off too, because, you know, I, I I bust my butt keeping her yard looking good, and the next door neighbor, their place looks like the Adams family, and you know I love the Adams family, but anyways. <laughs> They've got a bunch of trees in their yard, and uh, they're all dead. and the the branches and leaves. I clean their leaves out of her gutter about four times a year, and I pick up their dead branches and burn them all the time. Well, anyways, I'll get – I'm sorry about that. I went off on a tangent. Anyways, I'll go on. Um, these global warming, climate change alarmists, they're allies in, in the progressive media, and um, they're they're famous for saying the scientists agree and that man has caused caused global warming. No, we have not. The earth has been heating and cooling since before there were 7 billion people here, since before the invention of the internal combustion engine, since before the invention of the cotton gin, since before the Industrial Revolution. And, you know, Obama tweeted back, uh, this was last year, 97% of scientists agree climate change is real, man-made and dangerous. John Kerry, Al Gore, and a host of others—they keep championing that that stat. Well, the Wall Street Journal reported that that was all made up. It's is uh, is fiction. And when they did a further review, it discovered that one percent of scientists believe that human activity is causing climate change. An <laughs> outraged petition was signed by more than thirty-one thousand scientists that stated. There is no convincing scientific evidence that human release of carbon dioxide, methane, or other greenhouse gases is causing or will, in the foreseeable future, cause catastrophic heating of the Earth's atmosphere and disruption of the Earth's climate. And even a founding father of the man-made global warming theory, Claude Legri, recently came out and renounced the position by admitting the cause of climate change is unknown. Dr. Ivor Geiber, a Nobel laureate, has taken a stand against these claims, and he announced during his speech at the 65th Nobel Laureate Conference in Lindau, Germany, I would say that basically global warming is a non-problem. The president said that 2014 is the hottest year ever, but it's not true. It's not the hottest. Global warming has really become a new religion because you cannot discuss it. It's not proper. It's like the Catholic Church. And he was one, this guy Geiger, Guyver or whatever, was more than one of more than 100 co-signers in a letter to the president that was critical of his stance, saying that we, the undersigned scientists, maintain that the case for alarm regarding climate change is grossly overstated. And what was the government's response? Crickets. Nothing. (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully, you know, if you guys are listening, you better check your brake lines, look under your cars before you get in them. Um, and shortly after uh, this, John Casey, and I wonder where I heard that before. It's not the same guy that used to be the place kicker for the Panthers. Um, different spelling. I knew that name sounded familiar, but, uh, anyways, I digress. Anyways, after John Casey exposed the truth, 1,000 emails and 2,000 documents from leading, quote unquote, global warming scientists were found. Revealing potential conspiracies, collusion, data manipulation—we've talked about that a lot on this show, by the way. Destruction of information, you know, kind of like those emails at the IRS and Hillary Clinton, and even admission of flaws that were buried. One leading scientist, um, his name's Kevin Trenberth, admitted the fact is we cannot. We can't account for the lack of warming at the moment, and it is a travesty that we can't. Travesty simply because they were worried about losing their government funding. In another email, Dr. Phil Jones, a leading global warming advocate at the United Nations, admitted that he used Mike's nature trick in a 1999 graph to hide the decline in temperature. Well, I don't know what the hell Mike's nature trick is. Uh, look it up and. I I'll look it up later too, you know, provided the computer don't blow up. And then another study done by scientist Stephen Goddard at Real Science revealed just how ridiculous climate scientists can get with data manipulation. Here is what he demonstrated. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration has been, quote, adjusting its record by replacing real temperatures with data fabricated by computer models. We've talked about that before on this show a couple of times. And there are other documents just like that. Um, More recently, a professor, Robert Stavins, Stavins, who helped write the 2014 UN climate report, came out to Breitbart News and revealed that politicians demanded he change and edit part of the report to fit their needs. So, in short, governments and government-funded scientists want to make sure that any global warming slash climate change research published will say what they want. And you ask yourself, why would they do this? Well, it's been kept on life support for another crucial reason. It has been a practical ATM for the in-the-know political figure. Gore has been one of the mostly vocally aggressive crusaders, and I guess now the so-called president is one too. And uh, But, you know, their lives are starting to unravel, and then this guy was basically, you know, the guy yesterday that, you know, they, they say is our president, you know, I'm going on record again. He ain't my president. Um, anyways, this guy, uh, you, you know, uh, is shoveling this manure, even after so much evidence has come out to say that he's lying. Yeah, he's still, you know, selling this snake oil. Maybe his excuse is he hasn't watched the news yet, and he'll find out about it in the morning you know, if he listens to the show. Anyways, John Casey has made every effort to share this information, but instead of listening, the so-called puke stream media, and again, you can't use that term unless you send me money, because I made it up years ago. Uh, and the progressives have treated him like a leper and have done their best to smear his name. Science and politics have worked this way for hundreds of years. You know, Galileo was ridiculed by scientists, invested in the idea that the sun revolves around the earth, and I think he got in trouble with the Catholic Church and the Pope. They accused him of heresy. He 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 got in, he got into a lot of trouble. Um, Robert Goddard, the man who put, ushered in the space age and rocket ships, was ridiculed endlessly uh, for you know proposing traveling to the moon. And William Harvey was ostracized for uh, proposing the theory of blood circulation. Opponents can never refute the scientists; they can only attack the man behind it, just like they're doing with John today. But there is a small group of scientific masterminds um, that are speaking out, and I'll get into that here in just a few minutes. So we're going to take a short break, and uh, when we get back, I'll uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. So uh, stay tuned, everybody, and uh, enjoy some music from my friend Bill Warren's band, Uprooted. <music> I'm, I'm i'm looking in the chat and i'm glad y'all like that uh music <laughs> some good stuff yeah my my friend bill's band uh they, they were really good back in the day um kind of ahead of their time actually uh, well anyways um we're getting close to the top of the hour and i'm going to try to buzz through this real quick uh, i know y'all don't like it when uh I, I go into auctioneer mode and i do apologize but uh, this, this has to be th- these people's names and what they said has to get out there um Anyways, uh, before the break, I had mentioned that there were some 17 scientific masterminds speaking out about this. Now, Dr. Fumio Tsunada, he's a professor emeritus of geology at Japan's Saitana University. He said that John Casey's work is quite a revelation that marks a step toward a new scientific civilization, and his findings add a brilliant page of history to science. Um, Dr. Terijin Venkatanathan Okay You guys, uh, when I post this later Y'all try to pronounce his name He said that John's ideas may be opposed by conventional scientists But they will have to accept that his theory Calls truth to bells Uh, He's professor of Saskia University Dr. Boris Komatov, One of Europe's top solar physicists And a professor at the Bulgarian Academy of Science Was so impressed with John's work he reached out to John and joined the Space of Science Research Corporation, and he says that the problems brought on by this next climate change that Casey Able discusses are more important than ever. Uh, Dr. Ole Humlum, he's a professor, a professor of uh, physical geography at the University of Oslo, said the history of science is filled with examples of individuals with new ideas being met by the current scientific establishment, not with enthusiasm, but rather with disregard and sometimes even ridicule. These hypotheses were considered outrageous by many contemporary scientists, but today they represent the very foundation for much of our present understanding of planet Earth's dynamics. New hypotheses based on empirical observations should always be welcomed warmly. This also applies very much to the work by Dr. John Casey. Uh, dr giovanni gregory who, who who has served as the National research council who has served on the National Research Council of Italy since nineteen sixty three and serves on multiple astronomical councils and in several societies, went so far as to say that John Casey is a modern day da Vinci. John Casey's work is important, is an important contribution for understanding and facing the environmental challenge. And it's multifaceted and often disquieting manifestations. And Dr. Dong Dr. Dong Choi, he's the editor in chief of New Concepts and Global Tectonics Newsletter, calls John's work Earth Shattering. They've reviewed his work and had no choice to agree but to agree with his conclusion after seeing the evidence. And there's a lot of evidence there to see. So um you can check this link out. And it'll be available on our website and on our um Facebook page uh here um after after the show. But anyways, I thought it was important that we, we discuss this since you know we the so called president was out there selling that snake oil again that Al Gore was trying to sell, um, later or or earlier I should say. So we're about at the top of the hour, and it's time, you know, close to the top of the hour for the break, and I'm really looking forward to the second hour with our distinguished guests that we have coming up uh, with um, Commander Kirchner and uh, uh, Mr. Apuzo. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. They'll be on with us here in the second hour, and uh, we're going to go ahead and take our top of the hour break. And if you like my friend Bill's music, um, I hope you like this next one. This this band is called Elevate. Uh, The song is called Call of the Mountains. So uh, stay tuned for that and uh, stay tuned for the second hour. Stay tuned for the second half of the Wake Up Mission Show. We want all of our listeners to be debt-free and financially free. We believe a free market system is best for the restoration of liberty. If you are tired of looking for a job in this hopeless market, or if you are struggling to pay your monthly bills, let us help. We have several income opportunities for you, which are tested and proven by our company, the Wake Up Mission LLC. To learn more, go to our website, www.com TheWakeUpMissionShow dot com and click on the Financial Solutions tab.
2: Welcome back to the Wake Up Mission Show,
1: and we're back today. Um, we have, you know, we're we're really honored to have Commander um, Charles Kirchner and his um and, and 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 his attorney um Mr Mario Afuzo I hope I got that right um and you guys uh, have a, a pretty interesting story uh to tell our listeners um just a little bit of background if you will um Commander Kirchner is a Navy veteran uh has a very impressive resume spent quite a quite a number of years in the in the Navy um and in the reserves And, um, you know, just reading, you know, I know you took your oath of office very seriously, um, you know, as anyone should And, you know, I commend you for your service to our country and uh, for for what you've done since then So uh, welcome, guys, thanks for uh, joining us tonight, how are you both doing? I'm doing fine, this is Commander Kretschner
2: uh, hello, Randy, and hello to your listeners. This is Mario Puzo. I'm doing well. Thank you for having uh, me and Commander Christian on your show.
1: Well, it, it's my honor. Uh, uh, my, my my dad was uh, in the Navy. He served on the, um, the the Ticonderoga back in the day. I'm, I'm sure sure uh, you've heard of that heard of that ship, right? Well, I'm kind of old. The uh,
4: Ticonderoga that reminds me of the battle up there in New York, but uh, I do yeah. remember the ship. I do remember the ship, it, yes.
1: I, I think they probably named it after that fort. Uh, yeah, he he was yeah. um like 1950s and I think they mothballed it um you know back in the 60s. Yeah, was and, that a, was that a missile cruiser? No, it was a, it was an
4: aircraft carrier, CVA 14. Oh, oh, I have mis misidentified it. Sorry about that.
1: Well, no, that's okay, no worries. Uh, it was a long time ago, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do thank you for your service, um, uh, Commander Kirchner. And um, anyways, I was, I mean, you, you know, you're both aware that uh, I've been having some issues with my computer today. So I, I, I was reading, you know, through the, you know, your, your interview that you did earlier, um and I'd kind of like to go in fresh you know I don't want to ask the same questions that um, that the, the you know the original interview was because uh you know, I don't want to be a copycat but um tell our listeners um uh, you had uh you were concerned about the the two thousand and eight presidential election and uh, just uh, if you would um uh, just to you know bring everybody up to speed what um uh, you know what, what prompted you to get involved in research, and you know share the findings with the listeners that you came up with. Is That for me or for Mario? Uh, that, that I guess that would be for you, because uh, okay, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> the one. I was the one who,
4: the lead plaintiff, the one that started it with, found Mario. and, Of course, he's been a tremendous asset. Uh, well, I guess, uh, one other point I wanted to throw out there real quick, though, is I understand that the show tonight was going to be a debate between some, what we call, cruise bots, uh, but I guess they're not going to show up, they didn't decide to not show up once they heard Mario and I were going to be the, uh, (coughs)
0: On the side, that's
4: saying that 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 Ted Cruz is not a natural-born citizen, but we're here, again, like deja vu, where we were in 2008 with Obama not being a natural-born citizen, not being eligible to be president, and here we are again now, uh, the political parties are putting forward ineligible candidates again with Ted Cruz, Bobby Jindal, and Marco Rubio, uh, the three examples, for example, and... We got a right. de facto usurper in the White House. But uh, back in 2008, we had a man we didn't know for sure where he was born, and we knew his father was not a, not a U.S. citizen, not even an immigrant to this country, just a temporary here on a student visa, and went back to uh, to Kenya. And uh, we never before have had a, a person who succeeded in getting into the Oval Office, whose father never even was an immigrant, never even a legal permanent resident of this country. I mean, it's just unheard of that that he could be considered a natural-born citizen because under the uh, natural law that the founders and framers used to get that term because they wanted somebody with sole allegiance to this country for their future presidents, you have to be born in the U.S.A. to two U.S. citizen parents to be a natural-born citizen under the natural law. And Obama clearly doesn't have a citizen father, and either does Ted Cruz, so they're alike in that respect. We know for sure Ted Cruz was born in Canada, and we don't know to this day for sure that where the hell Obama was born. <laughs> He's got forged documents all over the place. So maybe, right. Mario, maybe Mario wants to throw something in there too, but that's that's where we started in 2008, and now we're facing it again with Ted Cruz.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, clearly uh, Mr. Obama is not a natural-born citizen. I just want to get this out uh, to your listener. Neither is uh, Ted Cruz, neither is Bobby Jindal, and neither is uh, Marco Rubio. Uh, It doesn't matter that they could have been born in the United States. Under the uh, common law definition of a natural-born citizen, which was uh, adopted uh, or incorporated out of the law of nations, Emir de Vittel in the law of nations uh 1758 he defined uh the citizens and the natives and the natural born uh citizens uh born in the country to citizen parents plural uh yeah well back then there was no one parent uh a citizen one parent uh, a a yeah, wife
4: was o- the wife was automatically the same as the husband that's yeah yeah
2: they they called it the uh, couverture in the common right. law they they united into the husband so that you always had either two citizen parents or two uh aliens uh so none of this thing about one parent uh now, if you ever you see statements saying the father, the father, well, 'cause that's because how that's how the wife obtained her citizenship was through the husband, but they both still were uh citizens. It's not like one was uh It was unheard of to have a a split like that because then you would have a a family which Mm would split allegiance, split citizenships. It it just didn't make matters. It didn't make any sense. So everything was united, the mother and father and the the children. But
4: the intent, Mario, I'm sure you'd agree, was that when a child, on a natural-born citizen definition, a child wouldn't be born a dual citizen of any country.
2: No, absolutely not. It was unheard of to have a a dual citizenship. And, in fact, our, our... current government still does not recognize it officially they just don't do anything about it they don't say anything about it because of the politics you know mm-hmm. uh, today everything is you know feel good uh... help everybody out type thing you know we're supposed to have a a, a constitution that's a suicide pact mm-hmm. uh... and in the meantime you know we're we're uh, damaging our, our own nation our own uh... identity our own sovereignty you know letting uh... anybody come in and and you know, actually, like go into our streets and protest. I mean, these are people that that are here illegally, and they're protesting for rights. It's just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, like the
4: people, the people with La Raza, they want to re, re-, re-, re- uh, reclaim the southwestern PA, and they call us racist. But the word La Raza means the race. So who's the
1: racist? <laughs> Yeah yeah I, I trust me I know I uh, I lived in Los Angeles for 20 years and
0: mm-hmm. that's actually
1: where Celine and I met was uh at the um you know the illegal immigration rallies uh back in like 2005 and 6 and 7 and trust me, um, when when you talk about that, you're preaching Same. to the choir. For you know, uh, as when far Mar- as Mario
4: and I have always said, this is not about race. This is not about political parties. This is not about mm-hmm. politics. This is about the U.S. Constitution and constitutional right. and natural law and what the founders and framers intended when they chose that term of natural born citizen. They knew what exactly what it meant back there because they were reading Vattel. They were reading the Bible. A natural-born citizen is somebody, a child born with sole allegiance to one country. And for the future presidents, they did not want anybody that had allegiance to another country or a dual citizenship. And we know for a fact that Ted Cruz was born in Canada with Canadian citizenship and U.S. citizenship by statutory law from his mother. So he was born a dual citizen.
2: (laughs) And Cuban. And and
4: Obama was, too. He admitted that he was a dual citizen at birth. Right.
2: Uh, But— but something very important to emphasize. We, we know that we're right in what we're saying, what Charlie and I are saying, because the, the Congress, our first Congress, 1790, passed the first Naturalization Act. Another one in 1795, another one in uh, 1802, then later on 1855. But All those naturalization acts treats children born in the United States as aliens. They only became citizens when their uh, fathers naturalized which meant the parents naturalized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that confirms right there that just being born in the United States uh was not sufficient not even to make a citizen, let alone a natural mm-hmm. born citizen. Uh okay, later cool. on we have the problem of we you know, we we visit citizenship because of what happened with the slaves with um mm-hmm. uh, uh the Dred Scott decision in uh in eighteen uh, fifty seven, then we have, you know, the Civil War, we have the Civil Rights Act of of uh, uh 1868. then of course the, the uh fourteenth amendment. So all all those well what happenings... the Civil
4: Rights Act, doesn't that specifically define what a natural born citizen is or is that a that, that says that that the that the natural born citizens are those born in the country of, of parents who how does that word? Do you remember that exactly? That act uh, that law that well, law is still in all the books too. It says that it, you gotta be born here not of alien parents or something like that, right?
2: Well what it says is born in the United States and not subject to any foreign power. End of quote. Right. Right. Not subject to any foreign power. But it doesn't say you're a natural born citizen, it just says you're okay. a citizen of the United States. Okay. So so even even if because they weren't born to citizen parents, that we're talking right. about now the, the, the slaves, the free slaves. Their parents were right. so they, slaves. they
4: were stuck at, they were stuck in a cycle since their parents were never citizens, they couldn't be citizens.
2: Right. So then, what happened is they were made citizens. They were basically they were naturalized through through this, uh, you know, through the the Civil Rights Act, and then the Constitution constitutionalized it. You know, made. And then their
4: children, by being born in the USA, subsequently would be natural born children.
2: Right. Absolutely correct. So once that first generation became citizens, then they could have children born here, and they could become natural born citizens.
4: Uh the, so the, that, the, the that to be eligible, to
2: you gotta
4: born be, citizen to be eligible, you got to be a second generation American by both parents born yes, in the u s a
2: and neither does the Fourteenth Amendment say natural born citizen it just says citizen just like the Civil Rights yeah. Act of eighteen sixty eight um, and it
4: says subject to the jurisdiction thereof, and that people try to say that means jurisdiction thereof means jur- geographic jurisdiction but that'd be like saying born to u s a subject to the be born in the u s a that'd be that'd be that would be duplication of words, and they wouldn't have done that. They meant legal, political, full jurisdiction of the USA, meaning you had to be at, at least uh, born here. To, your parents had to be subject to the political jurisdiction of the United States, correct?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, that that particular amendment causes a lot of uh, yep. problems because of the word jurisdiction. Uh, again, it was supposed to constitutionalize the Civil Rights Act, and that talked about – not being subject to any foreign power. Right. Okay, now that that's a that's a, a high standard, because if you're born to uh, alien parents, clearly you're born subject to a a foreign power. Then the question is, why did uh, Congress change it to jurisdiction? Did they intend to make it a, a lesser of a standard, or you know, does jurisdiction really mean allegiance? Okay, does it really mean allegiance? So that's what this all—all all this argument is about today. But that's regardless right. of what you know, what the answer to that is, it, it, it doesn't matter because Congress can change all that through the uh, uh, the amendment itself. Congress is given the power to enforce that particular amendment. Uh, you know, they did it for uh, American uh, Indians in, the, in the Yeah, 20s, they could
4: just def- they could just define what subject to the jurisdiction thereof means. That's all right. They have to yeah, do.
2: which they did for the American Indians in the, in the 20s. They passed a statute right. which made them uh, citizens. In other words, they said, okay, you're subject to the jurisdiction now, so now you're a citizen. Yeah.
4: So now, 14th you know, Amendment, we know, is all. De- it's very, very, very germane to birthright citizenship and all those arguments today. But you will agree, Mario. That the Fourteenth Amendment did nothing to alter Article Two, Section One, Clause Five about natural born citizenship.
2: Absolutely correct, uh, Commander. And that's very important because uh well let me just make Whenever just you change points,
4: something in the constitution that retroactively affects another part, they say so. They did.
2: Yeah, what happens is but those two cases, both uh minor versus Hapersat, that's eighteen seventy five, and US versus Juan Kimark, eighteen ninety eight there are two very important cases on on citizenship and natural born citizenship. Both of those decisions clearly, unequivocally say that the the, the clause natural born citizen is not defined by the Constitution, which included the Fourteenth Amendment at that time. But mm-hmm. clearly says it. Right. Uh Yes. Yeah, so it, it actually
4: said what the definition was unequivocally what it was, and that you had to seek uh, seek meaning elsewhere. Correct. Something like exactly. that.
2: Exactly. And that elsewhere was the common law. now there's a lot of confusion about what this common law is if you If you read minor, it's clearly not the, the English common, common law of law. united
4: of the United States, not of england
2: right it, it can't be the English common law because the court said that uh children who are born uh in you know in a country to citizen parents are natural born citizens and and all yeah. the rest of the people are aliens or or foreigners right. under the English common law. It didn't matter if you were born to alien parents, as long as they were not uh, foreign diplomats or uh, military because invaders.
4: They wanted it, subjects to, to man their warship. They didn't care if you, if you agreed with them or not. They wanted to claim you if you were born in their soil, period.
2: Yes, and not only did they want to claim you, but they wanted to claim you for life. Right. For life, okay, which is totally
4: c- citizens contrary. Are two, two, citizens are a two-way street going back to Roman law.
2: Yeah, there's, um, if you look back to the Roman law, they said born in the country to to two Roman citizens. They actually had, right. they actually said two Roman citizens. You know, mother and father, and the mother the mother could be a uh, an alien, but uh, upon marriage to to the Roman uh, mm-hmm. citizen, she she be, you know she took on that that citizenship. So it's the it's same concept.
4: Yeah. Well, people same always confuse um, the fact that we use English common law for much of our state. State and uh, property right laws, but when we formed a new form of government to unite the 13 states in a new constitutional republic, we used the we used the teachings of Attell, who envisioned this new type of government—a written constitution, separate judiciary—and he 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 defined in that book, the law, of Nation Principle, Natural Law*, what a natural-born citizen is. We created a new federal government based on natural law. And concepts that were coming out of Europe and the Enlightenment, not the old English common law and uh, you know the monarchy. We just threw that off. We looked. We we were we were allies with France. We were fighting, and we we were not trying to adopt English common law for our new federal government. We looked. We created a whole new type of government that was never before seen in the history of the world, and we did not get that idea from England when they their common law, is that correct, Mario? You, 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 I'm sure you agree with me. That's why I'm saying it, but I know you do. But I wanted to get it out there for the listeners.
2: Yes, absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, and, goes and, back
4: well, to Roman times as to a republic,
2: right? Was, yeah. Well, the, the, yeah, Rome, the republic goes back. Now the framers, they studied republics, and uh, they, you know, they were very, of course, uh, interested in knowing what made them and what made them fall you know, what their weaknesses And they studied were. the
4: democracies of ancient Greece, and, you know, where the people yeah. have the absolute, you know, no no written constitution, just whatever the people want, in other words, mob rule.
2: But but out of the Enlightenment, which you mentioned, that's very important, right. because the framers studied uh, the philosophers of the Enlightenment. And one uh, tremendous uh, source was John Locke uh, in the 1600s. Of, you know, he wrote his treatise on government. And the mm-hmm. whole concept of Locke... Is is consent of the governed, okay? Mm-hmm. Now that's right in the in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the, the basis also of citizenship under the law of nations. Mm-hmm. See, the parents they consent to be members, and then they can pass that on to their children. When the children are born, that they 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 inherit the consent of the parents to want to be citizens. Okay, right. so that's consistent with republican government, where the people are are sovereign. The people have the power. They they consent. To everything that the, that you know that goes on uh including you know making their government and 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 continuing under that government, we have elections you know we c- we continuously show our consent by by electing people and we can even <coughs> change the constitution you know we we have the consent the sure. the power to do that so it it's all consistent with with enlightenment principles consent uh the consent of the governed uh, uh and a
4: republican form of government was this were the concepts coming out of Europe at the time. And our Constitution specifically says we shall be guaranteed a Republican form of government. The pledge of allegiance to the flag says to the republic for which we stand, not to the monarchy, not to the democracy, not to uh, whatever, to a republic.
2: And and just in in case somebody in the listening audience, we're not talking about a capital R like Republican Party. No, we're talking about a, a form of government, a, a republic right. versus a monarchy or, or oligarchy or theocracy. I mean, there's all different kinds of of forms of government. You know, dictatorships. Uh, you know, a republic okay. is basically, you know, where the people have the power. Uh, the people they they vote, they give their consent uh, to have their 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 uh, leaders, and they can change them, you know, anytime they want, and they have a constitution. Which limits the power of that government. That's a republic. That's what the United States is. Mm-hmm.
4: Now, I just wanted yeah. to throw something out here in the discussion, real quick. When you go back to the, to the founding days, and they decided they rejected Hamilton's uh, ideas of just being born a citizen, and went to a natural-born citizen. And I and I go always throw out when you were, when you want to learn something, you, and you go back there, you ask yourself the five. Remember the five Ws and, the, and an H. What, who, how, when, where, and why. The what is a natural born citizen clause in that presidential eligibility. The who, who put it there? Well, we know we have a copy of a letter from John Jay written to General George Washington, who was president of the Constitutional Convention. And uh, how, again, would be the letter from Jay to Washington when the letter dated 25 mm-hmm. July 1787. Okay, that was during the convention where it happened was philadelphia that's where that's where washington was and the letter was delivered to him from jay and why why did jay send the letter because he wanted to caution washington to make sure that the new president who was going to be the commander-in-chief of all our military and he said this specifically in the letter that there be a strong check against foreign influence and that the the president shall be none other other than a natural-born citizen, because that in guarantee, natural-born citizenship, sole allegiance to the United States, unity of citizenship at birth, no dual citizenships, no foreign allegiances, what stronger check against foreign influence can you have that? A child born in the country of two citizen parents, that will give you the best chance of disconnecting any foreign influence on that future person if he becomes the president and commander of our military. So we know the why they wanted a person who, would, after the founding generation was gone, there was a grandfather clause in there for the current original citizens. But afterwards, they had the future generation had to be a natural born citizen because they wanted somebody who was solely in the United States from birth to, to be the only person to be the commander of the military. Now we got Obama. We see what we get. He is the he's is the exactly what the founders and framers did not want to get command of our military. Now, uh, does probably, that make sense to you, or That what I just laid out there, the what, who, how, when, where, and why, and you agree with that all, Mary, or is
2: there something you uh, want to add yeah, to it? And, uh, I would like to uh, add something to what you mentioned about Alexander mm-hmm. Hamilton. Uh, now, Jay did write that letter, as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, uh, right. July 25, 1787. Now, but here's something very, very important. Going back to Alexander Hamilton, June eighteenth, 1787, he gave a speech to the convention. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was his, his sketch of a plan, and it, it talked about a, um, a governor. It didn't talk about a president, right. and he didn't mention yet there about uh, uh, the, the uh, eligibility requirements, you know, citizen, mm-hmm. born a citizen. But what he said, that's very important. He said, and, and, and I quote, he said that, uh, that uh, one of the weaknesses of republics, now here we are, of republics, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. that they were, quote, Liable to foreign influence and corruption, men of little character, comma acquiring great power, become easily the tools of intermeddling neighbors. End of quote. There you
4: go again. Foreign influence. That's what you want to prevent. Now, isn't that something?
2: That's that's really powerful because that's how they So now we got a Hamilton president Jew. who was born
4: a British a British subject. Can you imagine any more foreign influence than that? <laughs> yeah,
1: it <so, laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, Foreign money that's being poured into the Exactly, the,
4: the Saudi Arabians and whoever, who, who else we know was giving them money. Maybe the Chinese communists with bags yeah, like, well, like Gore.
1: Yeah, Mario
4: Mario is very studied on this, and I learned a lot from Mario over the years. And you know, I brought my knowledge in, and together we know what the founders and framers intended. We know the what, who, how, when, why where the freaking two political parties tried to pass laws in Congress to redefine natural-born citizens for the last 20 years. They tried about eight times, and you can go to uh, wwwarticle 2 com slash issues.html and read all about those laws, but they couldn't get it. So what did they do? In 2008, both parties decided to run questionable uh, natural born citizens and, and, on, and on that basis they both parties kept their mouth shut and the media sold the rest of the, of the country a bill of goods and now we're in the mess we're in they want to run anybody any way they can get citizenship next thing they'll be, want to run anchor babies for president I mean it's yeah, we're, or, th- we're um, just
1: going down the tube here oh trust so, me I, you're, you're preaching to the choir one of our listeners um, um, and I'm thinking maybe uh, they they may be a plant or uh, an agent provocateur, but um, probably they
4: follow well, us uh, around wherever we're going to be. They follow us. Well, well,
2: we we love them because we want to be tested, so they can shoot all they want. Yeah,
4: that's okay. why the debaters well, didn't show up because they know we can oh, handle. Yeah, them.
2: well,
1: they
4: they
2: didn't
1: show up, you know, because uh, who knows why the uh, you know the other side didn't show up. Um, but anyways, the um, RC radio. Um, states, Hamilton never submitted his version of the wording to the convention. Uh, Kurt, uh, Kirchner and other birthers love to lie about that. So I, I ask the listeners. state... Well, there's us. no written
4: evidence that he submitted it to the convention at the uh, on the minutes of the convention, but there's a lot of stuff that never made it in the minutes of the convention. But Hamilton's thinking... As Mario cited, it was going around in June. Everybody was knowing this. Was these thoughts were: Do you want to have just a citizen, a born citizen, or a natural-born citizen? There were a lot of things that didn't make it into the, convent, into the Constitution, the Convention, like the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment. That doesn't mean that they that that things that came before the Founders and Framers were not incorporated by ideas that came after the convention, like the Bill of Rights did, the letter that Hamilton sent just confirmed what he was trying to convince people to do. He wanted born a citizen. He wanted a little looser structure because, you know, Hamilton, I believe, Mary wasn't born in the USA, was he?
2: Uh, no, he was born in the uh, in the islands. Uh, right. Was, now, he had an for so. the
4: Grandfather Clause, but he wanted a little looser structure. He wanted born a president.
2: Yeah, so let, let me let me just I just want to say something about
4: this just stuff. want to, those old bus want to nitpick about stuff, but they don't want to talk about the they, June speech they, that Hamilton made.
2: Well, here here's the thing about this uh, RC business that we I've I've seen this now for years, okay? First of all, yeah. there's, there's there's two different do- documents that we're talking about. We're talking about the the sketch, okay, which was which was in the speech, okay? Didn't talk about uh the born citizen and the, the the proposed draft of a constitution that came later on this is what this uh, rc audience is talking about and that 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 draft of the constitution document number 2 that was never officially presented to the uh to the convention okay so so what so big deal okay he he gave that doesn't it doesn't mean madison. people didn't
4: know about it that doesn't mean people didn't know right. about it Just they know about
2: it and, and even madison in his notes uh uh, uh Farron says this he says Farron wrote that Hamilton gave this he called it a paper to Madison at the end of the convention, and that hamilton quote now here's a quote would have wished to be proposed by the convention. he had stated the principles of it in the course of the deliberations end of quote that's right. on page 619 of Ferrand. So right there... But they that, want to
4: nitpick about BS like that when the, the, the fact of the matter under discussion that was Natural Born Citizen Clause is in there, not born a citizen or a lesser term. It says natural born, and we know what the founders and framers meant by it, and they just want to steer us off on tangential arguments about minutia and what can be proven literally with a written letter... Uh, back in 1787 that came in after the official official convention closed, even though it was discussed, the foreign influence issue was discussed since June, as Mario just attested to earlier.
2: Yeah, and, and there's so much that happened in that convention that we don't know about exactly. because it was, you know, quote-unquote, secret. Exactly. And we
4: have a copy of John Jay's letter that was it, delivered to the... General Washington, the president of the convention, and he yeah. said, and and he wrote back to Jay saying that he was going. He definitely was took his. He called, uh, Jay wrote it called it a hint, and 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 Washington took it took it you know right to the convention and changed it to natural born citizen.
2: Here's something else. Imagine Hamilton taking all his time to write this a proposed draft of a constitution, and that mm-hmm. he never discussed it with anybody in the convention. Right. This, it's absurd
4: right they're it's just they're picking, thinking, oh well he
2: never officially presented it so therefore they nobody want to knows change about the it. subject.
4: they're trying to, they're trying to say a natural born citizen is identical with three parallel lines identical logically identical to a citizen at birth well you know trees are plants but not all plants are trees a natural born citizen is a citizen at birth, but not all natu- not all citizens at birth are natural born citizens. Those two adjectives in front of citizen mean something, and the natural refers in legal in any legal term natural refers to natural law other than man made law correct
2: mario absolutely and even even the text of our, of our laws shows shows that theory to be wrong the the very text if you look mm-hmm. at all the uh the acts of congress. Okay? The, the, you know, they make citizens at birth and they call them citizens of the United States. They don't mm-hmm. call them natural born citizens. If you look and at the 14th the, Amendment.
4: And in the 1790...
2: The, four, the 14th Amendment makes yeah. citizens at birth, right? The fir- right. 14th Amendment. Yep. What does it call them? It doesn't say natural born citizens. Exactly. It says citizens of the United States. And adjectives
4: in front of a noun modify the noun. And in, now let me put you another example. The Congress passed a naturalization law of 1790 and they said. Per, per, uh, children born across the seas of U.S. citizen parents, plural, shall be considered a natural-born citizen. Now, they repealed that because they knew they made a mistake in 1795 and took natural-born out and just made them citizens. But they even in the 1790 Act, they said they shall be considered. They didn't say they were.
2: Right, Correct, exactly. Mario? And if you look at that language, shall be considered, That, that if you go back into the old uh, English Naturalization Acts, 1600s, 1700s, they they actually took people, and even here in the colonies, right? They they took people who were who were clearly aliens and and uh, became uh, subjects after their birth, and they they called them natural born subjects.
0: Right. They said, oh, now, they, th- now you're a natural it... born
2: subject. Now you have the rights of a natural born subject. But clearly, right. those people are not citizens from birth or subjects from birth. They're right. only given the rights of that. And that's yeah, what happened with yeah. the 1790 Act. They were only given the, the privileges and, and, the, and the immunities of a natural-born citizen, except, of course, they couldn't be the president because the, you know, the Constitution said you had to be a natural-born citizen, not, not just have the rights of one you know, given to you no. by a naturalization act. But it caused a lot of confusion. So in 1795, with the leadership of, of um, uh, James Madison, they, they repealed the whole thing, and and then the new act 1795 says shall be considered as as citizens of the United States, right? Which then it's always been that way, always, and that's why Cruz, the the very uh, uh, naturalization act, uh, which is the the, uh, the 1952 act, which applies to Cruz, says that he's a citizen of the United States. It does not and- say natural born citizen. So the, it's a it's a big uh, scam, a, a a snow job, whatever you want to call it. Taking advantage of uh, of of, uh, of uh, people not knowing all these minutias, all these these intricacies, and you know, and then of course you got the media who uh, you know the feel good media. Oh yeah, everybody's a natural born citizen. The whole world the is a natural born citizen. two political parties that
4: want to run who's ever sexy they don't care about the Constitution. Yeah. Now the law, the law that Congress passed that Cruz hypocritically is pointing to. is called Title Eight, Section fourteen oh one. That just defines who's a citizen at birth, not a natural-born citizen. But the words "natural" and "natural-born" or "natural" are not even in that law. No. And if you go further back up under Title Eight, it's a subsection of of, of a section titled "Naturalization Acts of the United States," or some paraphrasing like that.
0: Absolutely. So it's a
4: naturalization law. They are naturalizing these people at birth. So. Ted Cruz is a naturalized citizen, if he's a citizen at all, because some think his mother became a Canadian citizen up in Canada. But we can't get any evidence of it yet. People have been looking. But if she was naturalized, as if Cruz's mother naturalized, Ted Cruz isn't even an American citizen.
2: That's correct. If she wasn't a citizen of the United States when he was born, he, Ted Cruz is not even a, a U.S. citizen.
1: Well, gentlemen, um um, maybe you can enlighten me. There's two things that I, well, one thing I know, but two things that I've heard. Uh, the first one is that Cruz kept his Canadian citizenship until 2014. I re, You know, honestly, I haven't, you know, done the research to see if that's entirely accurate. The second Yeah, that's true. He did. He, 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 he just took it. Yeah, that's him. correct. Okay. Okay. All right, cool. Secondly, so, he, so he's admitting
4: he was, he was born a dual citizen. He was born a dual citizen. He was born in foreign influence. So he's not an actual born. He meant, but he right. may not even be a citizen at all.
2: And, and, right. and he said that he didn't know he was a Canadian citizen? That's wow. the most absurd thing. I mean, come on.
4: Yeah, I like well, his politics, but I don't like what he's doing on this. He's being very uh, hypocritical. Uh, he's, he's a constitutional scholar, but in this all of a sudden he forgets everything.
1: He paraphrases, yeah, he the parses Oval his words. Now, right? now, secondly, his wife was a member, uh, she was the author of the North American Union, and she also worked for, you know, some of these bankster, you know, international bankster um If That gets into
4: politics, which is not a constitutional issue that Mario and I, we really can't address, but uh, that gets into political arguments against Cruz. I'm I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the natural born citizen issue and how I'm so disappointed that he's not being forthright on the truth on the issue. He knows the truth
2: yeah exactly. politics has nothing to do with defining a natural born citizen It's strictly right. a it's a bright line test born in the country to citizen parents. You could be white blue green, you could be a communist a capitalist, a socialist doesn't matter what you are you know to, it, to be it' a it doesn't strong matter.
4: check a strongest strongest possible check from a point of view of citizen status against foreign influence right. yeah the right. rest of
2: it of course is politics whether the people want right. somebody or not that's that's the right. political decision.
4: Right. We're not yeah. here to talk about that. Uh, I, I understand that maybe on other parts of your show you've, you've covered all that stuff, and I, I've i heard all that, too. And uh, believe me, in the back of my mind, when you get into the voting booth, the politics enter into all these discussions. But for the night's show, I wanted to talk about Natural Born Citizen, and that's why we're that's why we here. And oh, okay. uh, So if you have any questions uh, on that, you've got the world's expert here, Mario Apuzo. And as far as the robots, we've lost every case on this. That's because... The courts have turned them all away the on technicalities of standing or jurisdiction. Mario can tell us more, but they don't want to deal with it. They say go to well, Congress. Well, Congress says well, go to the courts. Please. They're playing a ba- they're playing back-and-forth hot potato.
1: Well, let, let me ask you guys this as far as the courts. Um, now, we have a guest on on Thursdays, and we cover constitutional and common law. What are your guys' thoughts? Now, because – the court system, it's not a de court. It's a de facto court. So, of course, they're not going to side with you because, you know, it would ruin their thing they got going on. Um, so, I'll let Mario address the courts. <laughs> well, okay. Well, uh, Mario, I mean, I'm sure that's something you've heard before, right, as far as de jour, de facto, the Corporations Act of, like, 1871. I'm not a history scholar. I am not a uh, constitutional scholar. Let me put it out there, you know. I'm just. I you guys are. Dead, you're, I'm the backup goalie tonight. Our starting goalie is hurt. Okay, well, so uh, you guys got let, me. I'm sorry. Uh,
2: let, let me. And all, let me. All this a...
1: talk about the
4: United States as a corporation, and everything. I don't want to go there. Really, I want to stay
2: now, on well, the Constitution. For, 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 let me just uh, uh, you know get that real simple. Okay, the Constitution okay. Uh, created our government. Okay, and th- that's it. That's it. I mean that that that's where it is. It's got three branches of government. And it it, it it gives it its limited powers, and it even tells we, we us the, we uh,
4: the people created the Constitution, which created our government. Can I put it that way, Mario?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Constitution. Okay. So now, whether you yeah. want to call it a, a corporation or whatever you want to call it? That really, you know, I don't see how that matters. Okay. Be- well, first of all, it you know it's not a you know quote unquote corporation because the Constitution created the the, the government. Now the people. Of course, you know, we created the, 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 the government, but the Constitution says what the powers are, okay? So it's not, it's not a matter of—now, This thing about common law and all that sort of thing. That you mentioned de jure and de facto. First of all, anything that's uh, allowed by law, of, now of course, the, the, the Constitution is the supreme law. Then we have the laws of the United States. Then we have treaties, okay? That's all on the federal level. Okay, and we also have a common law that's on a federal level. That's national common law. On a, this is federal level, the states we have common law there too, coming out of the English common law, which was adopted, selectively adopted, and you know that then brought forward um, um, until abrogated by state legislatures. Now some of the old English common law still continues. You know the principles in in the states. And yeah, of course, the states, states also have statutes. States also have constitutions. But the point about this de jure and de facto: anything that's uh, allowed by law is is de jure, de jure, okay, which is a Latin word meaning by law. Anything that uh, uh, exists in fact is not necessarily um, uh, stamped uh, as official by a law, but we still do it. You could say it's de facto. Now, I use that term de facto to describe our current president.
1: Well, yeah, me too.
2: Um, yeah de facto President Obama, because he's there, he acts like the president, he has all the powers, he goes on and on, you know, he's going to do two terms. But as far as I'm concerned, and of course, Commander Kirchner, he's, he doesn't have the, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the powers of the but, executive did not devolve right. upon him legitimately under the Constitution, because he's not a natural-born citizen. And but I don't that want makes to throw your president. He's a de facto right. when you're, president. when you call
4: all these Latin terms... The term "natural born citizen existed prior to the Constitution. It comes from natural law. They put it in the constitution. They knew what it meant. It was in a it was mentioned uh natural born was mentioned in a treaty negotiation between France and the United States about ten years prior to that. They knew exactly what the term meant, and that's why they put it in there as a strong check. so they made it the law of the land when they put it in there. Right, Mario. They made it the law of the land that the president had to be a natural-born citizen for future presidents.
2: Yes. Now that—that's the Constitution. See, when I say that, you have to understand that you could say the Constitution, you could say the laws of the United States made in pursuance thereof. You could say treaties. Okay. That's right in Article. If you look at Article Three, the the uh, the the jurisdiction of the courts talks about that. And if you look at Article uh, Six which is the supremacy clause. Now, again, it repeats those things. It repeats the constitution, right. the laws of the United States, and treaties. Okay, those are right. Now what's not in there stated in the constitution is is common law. That's not there. Okay? Clearly not the English common law. That was never adopted uh, by the, by the convention. Well, uh, common if law would the, be court that they the... they thought it was an illegitimate guide yeah. to define terms in the constitution. James Madison Clearly says mm-hmm. it that you know you can't define terms in the Constitution under the common law, English common law or statutes. It was an illegitimate guide, so they looked to the law of nations to define terms. Uh, and and when then the we, we built up our, our it, own
4: common law. Co- yeah, Congress decisions. was
2: given the power to to right. to define things. Congress, but anyway, uh, go ahead.
4: Well, then, in other words, we build up our own U.S. common law as Supreme Court makes decisions, right?
2: Right. Exactly. Now, now that's you're, a federal, you're, federal you, common you, law. You,
4: you, you took my case to the U.S. Supreme Court. You're, 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 uh, uh, what the hell, if you can practice law, you're, you're registered with the U.S. Supreme Court, correct?
2: Yes, I'm admitted to the U.S. Supreme Court, correct? Right.
4: So some people question your, you know, your your abilities and everything. And Mario is fluent in several languages, he studied this constitutional issue of Article Two for years. There's, I don't think there's anybody in the United States that's more fluent on the, on the Article Two, Section 1, Clause 5, than Mario, Attorney Mario Puzo. Maybe Dr. Herb Titus, who also agrees with him. But those two guys are right up there as far as I'm concerned.
2: I appreciate that, uh, Commander.
4: You are a constitutional scholar on Article Two, Section 1, Clause 5, no matter what anybody says.
2: Well, I, I've been practicing law for uh, what thirty-one, thirty-two years. Sure, and, uh, and, you, and you can you know, read,
4: Rattel, the source of that, you know, that definition, that term in the original French. You know what it meant.
2: Yes, and, and that's another uh, big fraud. <laughs> yeah. I, translations. Laughing. Yeah. I, I'm right. laughing because the uh, the obots, and I I love to use that word because they call us birthers, right? So they're the obots.
1: Mm-hmm. They, right.
2: they, they they try to uh, give these crazy translations of of the French. That mm-hmm. uh, that pa- pare- parens doesn't mean parents. It means uh, like extended families and all, like uncles and aunts and grandfathers and all. It's so absurd. I mean, every every translation of Vattel in English says parents. Everyone, mm-hmm. the U.S. Supreme Court, starting with um, um, uh, 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 John Marshall, Chief Justice John Marshall says the says parents parents. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Dred Scott says parents. Um, uh, minor says parents. Uh, Juan K. Mark says parents. Even lower lower courts say parents. Even like you know uh, 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 legislators uh, say parents. It's just unbelievable. They come up with this thing that it's not parents. It's it's uh, extended families. It's just, and, and it even talks about the fathers there. They call it a, a yeah, pat.
4: Well, in the case of Rubio and Jindal, they don't, the parents, they don't have either one as citizens when they, when they were born, so they're lacking both of them. With Cruz and Obama, they don't have a citizen father, so they don't have parents, as you're pointing out.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and again, you need parents because. Uh, oh, here's another concept that's very important: Jew solely and Jew sanguinis Okay, mm-hmm. Jew solely. Basically, the right of the soil, Jew sanguineous, right of blood. It means if you're born on, on land, you get certain, you know, or country, you get you know, certain privileges or rights. If you're born to certain people, you get certain rights, okay? So uh, our our system of citizenship has, has both. You, mm-hmm. you could be born here and subject to the jurisdiction, and, and you become a citizen. That's, that's Jews uh, solely, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's, a, it's like a mixture. It's a mixture of Jews solely. Now you said pure, citizen. Pure, you didn't
4: put an ad, you didn't put an adjective in front of citizen. You just said a citizen.
2: Right, okay. right, right. And then we have jus sanguinis, which is if you're born to a, a U.S. citizen parent, even just one, in a foreign country, you still become a U.S. citizen from from birth, a naturalized U.S. citizen from birth. So we've that we've you know we use both both. But when it comes to a natural born citizen, it's it's not an. You got to
4: have a three legged stool. You got to have yeah. father the mother because of the Cable Act of 1922, and where you're born to be a natural-born citizen. Cause we, otherwise, you're going to inherit or get some way dual citizenship at birth, which means foreign influence, foreign allegiance. You know, if you're born with dual citizenship, you're required to be to, – if you go to that country, they could put you in their army. Yes. They could force. You, they could force you to do a lot of things if you're a dual citizen. You're obligated to both countries. We don't want a person who's in command of our military – what, what if the president's father at the Cuban Missile Crisis had been living in Moscow, a Moscow citizen? The president, the commander in chief, is going to launch, you know, make a strike if he knows his father is alive in Moscow, or wherever, Iran or wherever. Yeah. We, we don't want we don't want a, a person who has any foreign influences on by birth.
2: Well, you know, it even goes deeper than that, uh, Commander. It goes into uh, psychology, yep. and uh, there's there's are actual uh, psychological studies. Done uh, on allegiance and um, you know dual citizenship and that sort of thing. Look at Obama. And what did he name his book? What did he name his book? Yeah, it, it from it my really father, goes, It goes Kenyan. deeper into the into the yeah. psyche of of a person that uh, you know your your heart, you know your your heart, your your love your love of country uh, becomes right. uh, questionable because you have this uh, you know I don't know what you want to call it. Some,
4: Dream you know, from your father. Region, you have these dreams, you, know, of,
2: you have these dreams of your
4: father's country.
2: Yeah, we you know we call it allegiance. I mean, which means basically allegiance uh, coming from the Latin, uh, allegare means to tie, to to it, that's what it is. It's a tie. You have a tie to to something. Okay, now you could have a tie to many things. You could have a tie to a religion, a tie to a country, even a tie to a, a team. You know, like uh, you know somebody they, they love the Yankees, they love the Mets. That's their allegiance. That's their tie. So that's the problem with uh, you know not right. having a commander in chief, which is your last defense. That's your last one, okay? Not Congress, but the, the commander in chief. He's got to be a hundred percent. We don't no ties to anything that's foreign. He can't. He can't hesitate. If he's got to pull the trigger, you got to pull it. You can't. You know. You can't hesitate. And the
4: military who serve under him don't want any doubt that his sole allegiance is to the United oh.
2: States. Oh. Oh, and that, we
4: that's don't have that one. today with Obama. We've got people being sent into rules with rules of engagement, engagement in foreign wars, that the people don't trust the commander in chief who's who's sending them there.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point, uh, Commander. You know, I've never in, since I've been alive, okay, that that, that, that I see a situation where the, the president of the United States does something, and the people, not necessarily 100 percent of the people, but a great percentage of the people, they 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 have a suspicion. Oh, like take the Iran uh, nuclear uh, thing now, right? Exactly. I mean, there's there's people, there's a percentage of the American people who actually think that he's trying to help Iran get a nuclear bomb. That's um, that's that's well, amazing. Well, you got
4: thing. Valerie Jarrett as advisor, an Iranian citizen, and John Kerry's son-in-law is an Iranian.
2: How, but but isn't that amazing? How how can we? What do we as have nation, suspicions? How can we as a nation, uh, some of us, okay, I don't know what the percentage is, think that, that oh, wait a minute, he's actually working uh, for Iran. He's not working for the United States. That That is the most unbelievable thing that, I, that I've that i experienced in, in my lifetime.
4: Well, they might be taking uh, 1% of that $150 billion Iran's going to get and donating 1% back to Obama's library in Chicago. That's, you know, that's – we have a president, commander-in-chief de facto – that we do not trust. He's a citizen of the world, not a natural-born citizen of the United States. We cannot trust this man. Yeah,
2: that, that's, that's exactly the way the people it. in the
4: military feel.
2: That's that's really what happens because of this natural-born citizen issue. It really, mm-hmm. yeah, whether people say it or not, and, and the media, they they refuse to acknowledge it or even talk about it. If if you see the jokes that are made on it, it's always about oh yeah, oh yeah. They they said that he wasn't born in Hawaii, right? They make like little you know jokes. But why don't they talk about the the the, uh, the question of allegiance and, and being exactly. born to, to citizen parents? How come you never hear them talk about that?
4: Being a citizen gets you protection from the country that you are a citizen of. In return, they demand your allegiance. We do not want a commander in chief chief with dual citizenship and dual allegiance requirements on them.
2: Any other questions uh Randy?
1: Yeah, any questions, there,
2: Randy. Well, um
1: I'm I'm looking at uh I don't know if we'll have time to uh, get to it. Um had a couple of, you know, people, uh, you know, wanted to ask about like the Supreme Court ruling in 1898 that said the children of Chinese aliens were eligible for They're
2: citizens, it. not national Yes, well, going. go ahead. What's the question?
1: Um uh, let me find it. it, it, it they're they they're typing so much that that, that, that okay. the
2: uh
3: came, came yeah, okay. No, yeah, I want to hear
2: the yeah. question.
1: Okay. The the children the Supreme Court in nineteen eighty eight, uh supposedly according to C E Hughes uh listener, uh that the children of Chinese aliens were eligible for the presidency.
2: Oh my god. Is that the question?
1: Uh that that's a statement from listener C E Hughes.
2: So okay. True.
1: True.
2: Yeah, well okay, now that's a matter of interpretation. Okay. Now, if if you read the decision of Juan Kim Ark, eighteen ninety eight, the court said that uh a child born in the United States to to uh, domiciled and permanent resident alien parents who are neither not, ili- foreign, not illegal foreign, not il- not illegals Mario no resident? no right. per, no re- domiciled domiciled right. and permanent resident legal uh, uh alien parents who are neither foreign uh diplomats nor military invaders are citizens of the United States from the moment of birth by virtue of the Fourteenth Amendment. That's citizens. the whole thing.
4: Okay. That's the holy, not not natural born.
2: It doesn't say natural born. In in, in the case, the court even distinguished a natural born citizen from a a, just a citizen at birth by by birth in the country, which was what they did under the Fourteenth Amendment. The the court they 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 went through a tortured analysis, which is you know it's very questionable what they did. But I'm not I'm not taking issue. With you know, I'm not saying that the court did not give the proper definition of a natural-born citizen. It, it, didn't they ex- give one. it
4: expanded 14th amendment birthright citizenship. Right, but it did not determine what Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 meant. Not at all.
2: Not at all. It didn't. It didn't touch. It didn't even talk. It doesn't even mention the framers. It doesn't mention the framers or how they defined a natural-born citizen. So how could how could the court say that somebody could be a president if they don't even mention the framers, or how the framers defined it, or how Article 2 defined it. About, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable that somebody would actually you know, about come to that be conclusion. President. The it, didn't it's say wrong. Anything about
4: it. The holding didn't say a thing about who'd be president. It just said they are a now considered a citizen. Yeah. Not an act.
2: It had nothing to do with being a president. Just even, who was a even citizen. For, but forget even the so word so president, so okay? So At mean, least tell me that you're talking about Article 2. Okay? T- tell me you're talking about the framers. Sure uh, they you know, weren't. Tell me that. Which minor did that? The court, right. Minor versus Happer, said said the framers. Right. You know when they when they drafted and adopted the Constitution defined a natural born citizen as a right. child born in the country to citizen parents. The court said the framers when they when they drafted the Constitution.
1: So it's okay, another so that,
2: obot.
4: It's another obot distortion of the 1890s. Yeah, well, law.
2: doesn't even talk. And, and here's something else they talk. They got they look at they called it international law. Okay. Which it was called the Law of Nations uh, originally. So or principles of natural law. Along, the,
4: full, the, the full title when, had natural law on it, though.
2: Yeah, when when, when Juan Kimar came along, it, the, the word it was international law. They started to call it okay, because okay. that was many years later. The court analyzed international law as of the time of the Fourteenth Amendment. Okay, mm-hmm. it didn't look at at the law of nations as of the time that the Constitution, the original Constitution, was was uh, drafted. So you know they're not even looking at the natural born citizen clause. They're looking at the Fourteenth Amendment, uh, and then they're looking at international law. It's oh, not okay. it's not even close.
1: Well, gentlemen, um, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. We we've only got thirty seconds left. Can we quickly put out our websites? Yeah, g- yeah. Give your websites out.
4: Real Mario, quick. go first hi uh
2: Puzo, p u z o the number one dot blog dot com
4: and mine is protectourliberty.org, protect protectourliberty.org, liberty dot org protect o u r liberty dot org and c d r kirchner dot wordpress dot com c d r kirchner dot wordpress dot com
1: okay well um i'll make sure that i put this up on our website and on our facebook page uh, thank you both for uh, uh, being here, let, let's do this again. Next time, we, get
4: some. Next, get, next time, get some cruise bots on here with us. We want somebody we can take on one on one, not not anonymous people in a chat room.
1: Yeah, well, we we tried that, but they didn't want to show up. But uh, we're out of time. Thanks, guys, and um, well, we'll have you back uh, for two hours next good time. Good job, Super. Mario.
2: Thank you, Commander. Good, good. good job, also, and thank you, Randy. Thank you right, for, thanks, having was a, was a
1: for having me on. Bye bye. Good you God good night. bless.
2: Bye-bye.
3: Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us on the Wake Up Mission Show.
2: There's always a reason to celebrate weddings, quinceañeras, or just because I love you. Now, for a limited time, switch to AT&T and buy two Samsung Galaxy S7s for one great price. Visit your nearest AT&T store today. AT&T, mobilizing your world. Limited time offers. Each line requires eligible port-in, trade-in, purchase, and service. Get minimum of $10 trade-in credit plus prepaid card in amount of device balance or early termination fee less trade-in. Fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See store for details.
4: Taco Bell finds startling data in new polls. 100% of parents need nap time more than their kids. Country singers prefer large belt buckles. And shockingly, Americans want breakfast with bacon versus no bacon. No kidding. Taco Bell's new dollar morning value menu. With stuff like grilled breakfast burritos with fluffy eggs. And yes, crispy bacon rolled in a warm tortilla for just a buck. It's the only dollar breakfast value menu that brings home the bacon.
3: At participating locations, prices and items may vary. Tax extra bacon available in grilled breakfast burrito and breakfast taco. Click the banner for dollar breakfast.